Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Sarah Whitmeyer, the News Bureau Chief of WFIU and WTIU News. Today we're talking about the split of IUPUI, which was officially signed and announced uh, just last week, and we have uh, and what what the expectations are for the next few years as that split goes into effect, uh, becoming IU Indianapolis and Purdue University in Indianapolis. We have three guests today from IU. Michael Huber is Vice President for University Relations for Indiana University. Julie Maggot is Vice Dean of the Kelly School of Business in Indianapolis, and she was very instrumental in putting together this plan for splitting off IU Indianapolis. And Julie Payne Kirchmeyer is Vice President for Student Success, the first such Vice President uh, of Student Success that IU has had. You can reach us on the program by calling 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 877-285-9348. You can also follow us um, at Noon Edition on Twitter, and you can send us your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org. Well, this was really huge news for those who are uh, involved with Indiana University or Purdue University and uh, also the rest of the state. I'm going to start with, with Julie Magid because, Julie, I know you've been instrumental in this. You were the co-chair of a working group of community and business leaders helping to shape the future of IU Indianapolis. So, you know, what, you know, why is this such a big deal? What should, what should people be taking away from it if you have an elevator speech about it? just say that it, it's uh, kind of you to call me instrumental in this. Something like this doesn't happen without a huge group of people working um, to, over all the details. We had 10 task forces that were involved in um, making this transition that involved people all across the university, but particularly on the Indianapolis campus. At the same time, we were planning IU uh, 2030, the strategic plan. We had task force working on that. The working group that I uh, had the pleasure of co-chairing with Nate Feltman was really at the, the nexus between those task forces for figuring out the next, how we're going to move forward, where we are now, and the strategic planning for the future. So we sort of bridged that gap a little bit. and really looked at what does it mean to have the premier urban research institution in one of the great cities in the country. Um, we already have an amazing presence that we've had for uh, decades, generations here in Indianapolis, but it's never been the IU Indianapolis campus that it will be going forward. And that's so important for our students for uh, research and collaboration, but also economic development and workforce preparation and the really driving the economy and culture to have an impact so that we have more um, impact throughout the state really with creating something important as an anchor institution here in the city. I should mention very early on, we did invite uh, representatives from Purdue to join us to talk about you know, their view of this. Um, we just couldn't connect with, with folks at Purdue, probably because we're in Bloomington, and they're not. They're up there in West Lafayette. But we, we, we did try because we know it has a big impact on Purdue as well. Um, so uh, Julie Payne Kirchmeyer, uh, the other Julie, mentioned students and how important it is for students. and as vice president for student success. Um, can you talk more about that? Why is it important that Indiana University Indianapolis is there rather than IUPUI? 
Yeah, I think, um, first of all, thanks again for incorporating all of our voices here because um, as the other Julie, and I think that's how we're going to refer to each other now, the Julie, the other Julie, and we'll take turns and how that looks, um, said that, you know, this is critically important for the students who come to our university. IU, um, it, particularly its presence in Indianapolis, has a lot of amazing strengths, and she listed off several of those a moment ago. But I, I don't know if it's well known, but nine out of every 10 of our Indianapolis graduates build careers in Indiana. And so as we think about what um, IU Indianapolis has the potential to do and to be for our students, think about the relevancy in their lives and their careers and how we in turn as strong partners in the state can ensure that we are preparing students for those cutting edge careers and the things that are critically important and vital for Hoosiers and in changing their lives. And so that's what I'm excited about when we think about, you know, career experiences, whether it be internships and undergraduate research or community service and engagement, uh, different levels of employment that happen throughout the city. Think about what our IU Indianapolis students will experience as pathways to their ultimate careers. And that's what's exciting for me and I know is, is a real game changer for our students. I want to get our third voice on, Michael Huber, Vice President for University Relations for IU. Michael, you were with the Indy Chamber of Commerce and also you oversee IU's work with the state and federal legislative bodies. I would think that having a, a, an even stronger urban university would be a very popular move for um, the, the people in the legislature in particular that, that you work with. Can you talk about the importance of this for the various uh, constituencies that you have? Yeah. Um, and again, Bob and Sarah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, this this project, I think, for all of us working on um, the, the separation or the restructuring, it pointed out some positives to, in a in a world where we, we talk a lot about the divisiveness of today's politics, and certainly that's everywhere, this created a, a kind of a rallying point and drew support from legislators of both parties. It drew a lot of support from urban, suburban, and rural in a way that I wasn't quite prepared for. Um, you know, when I was at in my years at the Indy Chamber, running the chamber in the EDC, I had a front row seat to some of the urban-rural tensions. Um, some of the biggest proponents of separating the two universities so that both could grow aggressively in Indianapolis, some of the biggest proponents were rural legislators. I think the reason was they really get the connection about the need to grow the STEM workforce in particular. Now, this, this separation and growth plan will allow IU, we don't want to speak for Purdue, but to grow across many disciplines. But the focus was heavily on STEM. Purdue has made public that they intend to grow engineering in Indianapolis. And we can, you know, we can get into it if we have time about disciplines where IU will likely grow. Um, the Indianapolis campus already has a very high in-state retention percentage, and I think a lot of legislators know that. So anyway, at a time when we talk a lot about divisiveness, the, um, the growth plans, and this bore out in some additional funding that the legislators provided to both universities to grow, that became somewhat of a unifying point at a time where, when we need more of that. Julie, I want to follow up just on something that you you said, a city-anchored institution. So obviously, we're in Bloomington here, and I know one thing I've heard sort of scuttlebutt about is, is this, when we, when we say anchored institution, is this in any way going to threaten Bloomington as being the flagship campus? What does this mean for, for the folks in Bloomington? Well, you know, Indiana University's Bloomington campus has an incredible reputation and the, the wealth of uh, faculty and student talent that exists in Bloomington is just hard to wrap your brain around really when, to see all the different expertise and what that contributes to our state. Um, it is really hard to quantify or express in any way. Indiana University Bloomington will always be Indiana University Bloomington. And this is about growing and being stronger. This is not about taking away um, from any program, from any school. You know, I am part of the Kelly School business and we have for uh, decades had presence in Bloomington and Indianapolis. And I think that what that means to our students, to our faculty, and to what we can do um, in the city and around the state 
uh, it, it just builds. It's more of, it's not less of or take away. So this is definitely a, a rising tide, um, raises all boats situation. When I talk about an anchor institution, I'm talking about the way that there can really be a solid presence in Indianapolis where the community knows the front door is there for connecting for Indiana University throughout the state, not just Bloomington and Indianapolis, but the regionals as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would I would point to to a couple of data points for anybody who for whom this might have concerns that it might um, you know threaten IU Bloomington or anything like that. Which people talk to us, we get those questions a lot. It's understandable that some people might think that. I would I, two data points come to mind. One is the um, the demand for undergraduate students at IU Bloomington in state and out of state continues to grow. Um, it's it's and, and it's and its reputation continues to grow um, again in state and out of state. Um, Indianapolis has room to grow and it attracts in many ways different kinds of students. It has had a higher percentage of already working students for a long time. Um, again, it attracts a higher percentage of students who are already in state. So one, I would say that, if, that, you know, you start to break down who goes to who's drawn to IU Bloomington and who's drawn to IU Indianapolis. There are some differences that would that would lead us to think it's not a competitive situation. I think the bigger one for me, and we've been talking a lot about this, is the connections between the in the regional economy. You can draw more and more lines from the Indianapolis metro area, go down I-69 through Bloomington to Crane, which, you know, third largest uh, naval facility in the United States in terms of land area and the literally billions of dollars that Crane is getting. It's providing great opportunities for IU. And you start to see how what happens in Indianapolis very much impacts Bloomington and vice versa. Companies like Cook have significant investments in Indy and Bloomington. And so I think if we play this forward 10 or 20 years, we're all going to be experiencing and talking about how Indianapolis and Bloomington support each other, but they do different things. Michael, can you, I don't, I don't know if you're the right person to answer this, but just talk about the size, the relative size of each campus compared to each other right now in terms of students, faculty, staff. Do you have any estimates? Maybe not the numbers right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal in round figures off the top of my head, which is always dangerous. But um, <laughs> I, the, so IUPUI until recently, um, uh, 21,000 uh, undergraduates, uh, ballpark range, and then just under 30,000 students total. Now, that includes the largest medical school in the country. So, and that, and that is that, you know, I think um, uh, Bloomington claims that medical school, Indianapolis claims that medical school, the, the, the state of Indiana claims it. So, so you know, that's, that's, that's a medical school for the whole state. Um, of course, the, the Bloomington uh, enrollment is much larger in round figures. I believe the undergraduate current freshman class in Bloomington is about 9,500 students. So multiply that by four and add significant um, graduate student numbers. IU Bloomington's student population is still significantly larger than Indianapolis. Now, the hope is in the, especially in the next five to 10 years, you will see significant growth in, um, uh, in Indianapolis because Indianapolis has some room to grow, particularly in sciences and in uh, health sciences, anything medicine, nursing, public health related. Julie uh, Payne Kirchner, or Kirchmeyer, I'm sorry. The, uh, to follow up on that, do you see different paths to success for the students who choose Indianapolis versus the ones that choose Bloomington? Uh, paths to success is probably not the not the right term, but you know, as um, as a person who's interested in student success, different kinds of students, do they have different needs? Yeah, I think that's a, an interesting question, and it actually does speak to the bigger issue about student success in general, right? I mean, when we think about if, if we're going to shorten it down. Um, when we talk about student success, there are two things that come to mind. One is um, that it really is about finding ways to fully engage our students in their time and in their learning and in their engagement to their university, right? So when we think about IU Indianapolis and we think about all those areas of growth, consider what that means for a student who is interested in really leveraging um, those career paths for themselves. Uh, the other thing I want to talk uh, to speak to, though, is back to the question I think that was asked to 
sorry, Julie, other Julie on the call. Uh, and, and that really goes back to these two kind of locations. And I think about that shockingly from a student's perspective, that yes, folks are gonna align with the campuses initially that they're excited about being a part of and where they find community and feel engaged. But think about the partnerships. And Michael, I think this is where you were going a little bit too, that can really not just be cemented, but grow and develop and what that means access wise for those students. So they get the best of an overall program. And Julie, I think about like Kelly, it's not necessarily isolated to one campus or another. You have gateways and pathways that really help all IU students to thrive and flourish in their fields. So, I mean, those are some ways I think it connects to student success for IUI. But Michael, did you want to say something? Yeah, no, uh, Julie Payne Kirschmeyer um, sparked a, a, a very current opportunity that we talk about a lot. So the Luddy School of Informatics, Computing yeah. and Engineering. It has a growing presence in Bloomington and it has a growing presence in Indianapolis. You've, I'm sure you've heard President Pamela Witten talk about the Science Technology Corridor, which is an area along Michigan Street in Indianapolis where that's primed for a lot of new investment. Um, we know that a lot of the degrees coming out of Luddy are in very high demand across the state, also nationally, but definitely in the state, in computing, computer science, artificial intelligence, which everybody's talking about right now. I think if the three of us do our jobs right, we will um, create, create and align more private sector partnerships in Indianapolis and across the state. With Luddy having a presence in Bloomington and Indianapolis, that also creates ways for Luddy students. So maybe they're based in Bloomington, but they've got new opportunities in Indianapolis and vice versa. Um, and you can play that forward in any number of schools where there's high demand for growth. Mm -hmm. And I'll just jump in on that real quickly, too, because you mentioned the working group that I co-chaired at the top of this conversation. And one of our jobs was to look around the country and see who is you know, doing this well, what are the premier urban research institutions. And what you see is this is a trend in higher education in general to move, to have a location mm -hmm. in a, a larger city. So the huge benefit of this for Indiana University is we were already in Indianapolis. We already have the infrastructure. We've already been here. We've made the connections. We have nine out of 10 of our graduates stay in um, the area. The things that already exist, you know, I won't speak for Purdue's motivations, but you see it happening in Virginia Tech. You see it happening uh, elsewhere. This is just a, a trend in higher education in general. And it goes to what um, Julie mentioned as far as student success. The way students interact in their college experience is different now than it was in the past. And having those uh, immersive experiences and having faculty who know how to prepare students for that, coach them through that, guide the experience um, is so important to uh, being prepared for the workforce today for our students. So it all sort of trends together. But IU is lucky that we started you know, long ago with our reputation in Indianapolis. Thank you, Julie Maggot, Vice Dean, Kelly School of Business, Indianapolis. We also have Julie Payne Kirchmeyer, Vice President for Student Success at IU, and Michael Huber, Vice President for University Relations for IU. We're talking about the uh, recent official announcement of the split, the signing of the official uh, split between IUPUI, IUPUI and uh, Indiana University, Indianapolis, and Purdue University in Indianapolis. If you have questions or comments, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, toll free at 877-285-9348. You can also join us uh, with a question, news at indianapublicmedia.org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. I want to follow up really quickly on the campus issues we're talking about. Um, clearly, I can see excitement about uh, you know, the prospects in Indianapolis and what we already have in Bloomington and not, not uh, diminishing Bloomington at all. What about the regionals? Where do they fit into this? Any of, any of you who have a, a thought on that? Regional campuses are really important um, around the state. And um, one of the trend now, one thing that I learned, I've been with um, Indiana University for seven months. One thing I learned immediately is 
every regional campus is different. And so I hesitate to paint them with a broad brush. However, um, a lot of our regional economies around the state rely on the regional campuses for teachers, for general business majors, um, accountants, you know, uh, folks like that to, to run those key companies and their core industries, um, nursing and public health. And so there are, there are um, certain jobs that are staples of local and regional economies that our regionals really rely on. And if you look, I mean, and I'm going to defer to Julie and Julie, but if you look at regionals around the state and around the country, of course, they're in, um, uh, uh, you, you can't paint them with a broad brush, but um, they're serving um, in some ways similar, but then in some ways very different segment of students. Julie, Megan, do you want, how, how much should you address that in your conversations? Well, really, we were focused more on IU Indianapolis and the outreach to the community. Um, but we work with our, our regional leaders all the time in Indianapolis now, and certainly that's not going to, to change. Um, the, it's really important that we continue to connect our work throughout the state. This isn't a, um, a school that's focused on Indianapolis alone. It happens to be the biggest city in the state, so that makes it unique. Um, but what we do, we do for the state of Indiana, and, and that is our focus. And regionals are just one of the ways we make sure we impact the state continuously. Yeah, and, and I would um, add in there that, you know, uh, Julie talked about, um, you know, IU Indianapolis being an anchor. Every one of the regional campuses are an anchor for their regions. And so they really understand deeply the needs uh, of the regions and the students that they serve. And they, they evolve and change and grow um, their programs and support services and practices in ways that are relevant to the, those communities. So as an example, IU Northwest is a, has a recent designation of being Hispanic serving institution. And so they've been able to obtain some grants to really help focus in on um, their student community and support them in ways that are incredibly important for not just the students, but for the community within the IU Northwest region to really be successful um, long term. Um, because I think as we all know, and I think I'll see my colleagues here nod their heads, or maybe I'll hear the two of you nod your heads, I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, that um, higher education changes lives and not just one life, it changes it for generations. And that's where we really see the power of Indiana University across the state is in changing lives and changing the direction and changing the, the, um, the experiences of, of all of our Hoosiers. Hey, Bob and Sarah, one thing comes to mind, one, one very tangible impact that we hope to have, we hope that the Indianapolis separation will have on regional campuses is just regarding physical space. So this has all been public, um, but um, we know that through President Witten messaging that I, IU Indianapolis is going to invest a significant amount of money along Michigan Street, upgrading science facilities and building new science facilities. These facilities will look a lot different than science facilities that were built, say, in the 1960s and 1970s. We also know that adjacent to this corridor where IU's got a presence, Purdue's going to develop on about 28 acres, the corner of Michigan and West Street. It was really important to the presence of both universities that these facilities, that, that if you're an IU Indianapolis student, you can take courses in and, and, and go work in and pass through, you know, the Purdue campus and vice versa. Um, virtually all of our regional campuses, every single one of our regional campuses that I can think of collaborate with other institutions. Some of them co-locate with Ivy Tech or other institutions like that. So we're hoping that one very tangible thing that'll come out of this new setup with both institutions, with, with IU and Purdue growing in Indianapolis, are new collaborative ideas about use of space, um, new new academic collaboration ideas and things like that. It's it's exciting to get to this point when we can start to work on those creative possibilities with our colleagues at Purdue. Yeah, if I can follow up on that, um, Sarah, you, maybe you were going to. Oh, too, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, Purdue is touting its idea that you know I think on their ad they talk about. Um, they're going to try to make a difference in the fields in which the biggest changes are coming, engineering, technology, computer science. 
Um, IU and the videos that I saw on your pages talk a whole lot about similar kinds of things, certainly about technology and about Luddy. Um, it sounds, Michael, as if you're talking about the collaborative uh, possibilities because you're both going to be focused on – there's going to be a lot of overlap in what you're focused on, it seems to me. Um, do you see that as more collaborative than kind of a competitive situation? We do see it as more collaborative, although the, some of the competition will be impossible to avoid, but some of this also reflects our boss, President Witten's philosophy, and she's more of the iron sharpens iron. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that part of what got us here is her collaborative relationship with former President Mitch Daniels and now Meng Chang. And I, I mean, I realize I'm biased. I, I, I think uh, Julie Maggot and Julie Payne Kirchmeyer as well, because we work for President Witten, we spend a lot of time with her. But I mean, it's it's the it's the most collaborative relationship that I've observed between the two institutions in my 22 years of of living in Indiana, and so that's good. One of the things that I think that people will report on, I think, in the coming years, which hasn't gotten a lot of press yet, is um, the a lot of the non-competitive uh, language and policies and things like that that previous, previously existed have now expired or have gone away. And so while, um, a, lot, but while the, a lot of the non-competitive policies that existed allowed Purdue to stay in a lane of engineering, agriculture, and a lot of its strengths, IU in sci life sciences, arts and humanities, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to see some of that, what you just referred to, Bob, as some of that friendly competition. Um, you know, Julie Maggot probably knows more of this, but I, I said we suspect that the business uh, schools are going to be, you know, one of those areas. The area of engineering, IU didn't used to have engineering. Now it has the Luddy School of Informatics, Computing and Engineering. And so um, we get excited when we think about a lot of the collaborations, when you think about the interplay of life sciences and medicine and engineering. But I, I don't think there's any doubt you're also going to see some friendly competition between the universities. It's hard to predict exactly where, but, you know, um, it, it, it seems that way. It's just going to make both of us stronger, I think, Michael. I really do. Mm -hmm. I, I'm so glad Absolutely. you mentioned that because um, I've been here about 15 years now, but I when I started, it was like, oh, no, no, Purdue does its thing, IU does its thing. Um, Michael, can you expand on that a little bit? Because I naively probably was still under the impression it's like, oh, no, no, this is this is what we do. This is what Purdue does. Um, what yeah. what sort of was that agreement and why did that exist and why not yeah. renew it? Um, I, I'm I'm not a historian on these issues, but my understanding it's a it was a, it was a combination of um, state policies and then also policies at bodies like our Commission on Higher Ed. Now in 2023, those have largely gone away. Those policies don't exist anymore, and there's a new understanding between the two institutions. I, I know there's a whole story that some of your listeners would know way better than I do about why IU didn't develop engineering, say, until you know the last two decades. And I know we owe um, former President McRobbie a lot of credit for developing, um, partic particularly in information technology and AI and a lot of those capabilities. I think now, at least what what I've heard, just by being being here at IU, it the the world is much more multidisciplinary. Um, tech is disrupting everything and flattening everything. AI is disrupting everything, and it, it sometimes becomes harder and harder to draw these um, really sharp disciplinary distinctions. I we we think that particularly in areas like tech, any kind of technology coming out of medicine. Um, we're seeing it a lot, frankly, in Crane because Crane is having increasing demand in what we call defense medical, um, uh, you know, applications to help uh, uh, protect uh, people against uh, biological weapons and all those kinds of things. It, it, it's going to require both types of universities, universities like IU that have a lot of depth in life sciences and then universities like Purdue that have a lot of depth in the in the hard sciences. Um, uh, to to collaborate, um, I know Julie Payne Kirchmeyer has taught you know has has some thoughts about you know we've got we've got students who approach these things in a much more multidisciplinary way. Julie, you know a lot more yeah. about this than I do. A couple of thoughts on that one is that they really you know 
oftentimes students will start now and they're like, I really want to do X thing. And it doesn't necessarily align neatly with different disciplines. And I know Kelly sees this all the time. It's never just a business degree. It's combined with tech. It's combined with life science. It's combined with something else. And that's where that spirit of innovation comes in and where a lot of our students want to tap into that energy um, to really control their own um, outcome in a sense. And so that's what's exciting uh, about that. So I think, you know, the things that Michael's talking about directly connect over to what our students are wanting and needing to see. And what that also does is it prepares them, not necessarily just for one career, but what we're going to forecast out is we're seeing people with two, three, sometimes four careers over a lifetime. And so that interdisciplinary and multifaceted approach makes a huge difference in preparing a student to be successful in that environment. But Julie, like I said, and Kelly, you all are working with this all the time. Well, I, I, again, what Julie just said about what students want, it's also important for research, our faculty as well. It, it, problems don't exist in silos. They don't exist in disciplines and schools. So the collaboration we'll be having with Purdue and other um, researchers in, in the area uh, with with private employer research with, with IU Health, that collaboration is going to be happening within IU in a much more profound way. And again, I think this is the, the great vision of President Witten is understanding that we all need to work together to problem solve and to, to treat it as a particular school or discipline problem really is not the best result and how it's solved. So it's really an exciting time of moving forward, um, our approach to problem solving and helping our students, as Julie just said so beautifully, uh, prepare for their multiple careers and making a difference in our state and our world. Um, that's the kind of training you need to do that. Julie Payne Kirchmeyer, I, I know we only have you for about five minutes or so left, and I want to make sure and ask you this question. And this this may be um, naive on my part, maybe old think on my part, but you know I I grew up in Indiana. I've always kind of thought Bloomington, the Bloomington campus was kind of the quintessential college campus with all the experiences you would expect there, and that the Indianapolis campus uh, was more of a commuter campus with uh, different kind of experiences. Is the Indianapolis campus going to become um, more of a campus with people who live there and have more clubs, more Greek life, more athletics, those kind of things in the next decade or so? Yeah, Bob, what I can say is that it already is, right? There's a really vibrant and robust on-campus community that's in the thousands um, that live on campus. They've got highly competitive athletic teams, as Michael knows, because I think he and his family go to like every <laughs> Jaguar event that they can. Uh, and, and the clubs and organizations in the, you know, that are often rooted in campus life and in the campus center are incredibly vibrant. I mean, Jagathon is amazing in what it gives back to the community. So it's already there. Uh, and so that's why I think this is such an exciting time is that it gets to even, you know, evolve even more, right? So. What is an IU Indianapolis student experience going to be that that evolves from and grows from what an IUPUI student experience currently is? And I know in speaking with some of our student leaders, uh, our undergraduate student leaders and graduate professional student leaders, they're excited about this. They're excited to see what it can become and to play a part in it, which is one of the wonderful things that I, you know, I, I appreciate somebody saying, I think Bob, you said, and Sarah, you also said you've been in Indi Indiana for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually was in Evansville for eight and a half years before I went over and worked at two institutions in Illinois. And to see the evolution of Indiana University in Indianapolis and in Bloomington, coming back to it has been amazing. Uh, and I, I see more of that in the future. But our students will be involved in that. It will truly be growing, I think, to Julie's point uh, and evolving what already is a really vibrant experience for them. So I know here in Bloomington, all the building projects were put on hold. That was something Pamela Witten did during her first year. Um, so I'm wondering in Indianapolis, though, as you're talking, as Bob mentioned, student housing and things like that, are, are projects already greenlit to, to build more housing and those sorts of things? Um, 
So there are several projects that are, you know, mixed use and address housing that are, are underway and have been some for some time. The new projects that are associated with this split are, uh, so a couple things come to mind. Um, there is new funding that IU was able to secure from the state for uh, renovation and new science buildings to attract more research faculty and then which we would grow students um, in those disciplines. And it was like 10 million in startup costs and an additional 60 million outside of the normal um, capital ask for uh, buildings. Those would likely be concentrated on that science technology corridor in Indianapolis. Obviously, you got to house those students. On an urban campus like Indianapolis, though, um, the university needs to address the housing, but then you can also rely on a lot, a lot bigger um, uh, uh, radius of you know apartments and you know mixed use developments that are done by private developers. But to your question, we're going to have to address the housing. The other thing that has gotten reported that we want to mention is this is not an IU project per se, but it's exciting. The state of Indiana approved $89.5 to build a new arena, which the NCAA had been asking for for a long time. It's about, um, and the local press has reported on this in the last month, it's about 4,500 seats, and it would run NCAA events year-round, uh, Division two and three basketball, volleyball, gymnastics, and things like that. But IU Indianapolis will be a core tenant of that. Uh, facility and that will be a huge boost as well just adding to the vibrancy of that campus again no one is going to displace the sports legacy here at um in bloomington um to as julie payne kirschmeyer knows i'm at bloomington events with my kids all the time as well um you know the leg no, nothing's going to displace that or replace that but it, it's going to inject a lot of vibrancy in indianapolis no doubt I uh, can be a little bit of a historian on this one because I've been on this campus for 24 years now. So I can tell you that I've seen the transformation from when I first started teaching here, of uh, teaching older students, um, more commuter students, et cetera, to where we are today as IUPY. Um, our average freshman uh, age is 18. Doesn't mean we don't have uh, more experienced students who are coming back and we love teaching them, but that's not our typical student or our average student today. Um, nearly 50% of our undergrads live on or near campus. So we've started that transformation uh, a while ago. It's been, you know, over the past 24 years. We, we can serve the traditional student, but we also have the ability and the expertise in serving the non-traditional student. Yeah, Julian, I would add to that, that we've taken that on as a responsibility, too, because, I mean, I think that's one of the lovely things about, you know, Indiana University's presence in Indianapolis is that we've got that commitment to adult learners, to traditional age students, and also to the community in which we are housed in a really powerful and wonderful way. And I know that's just going to continue to grow. Can you all, as we're thinking about the future, how did you all project forward to take into consideration this enrollment cliff. I know we've done a lot of reporting on that, but it seems like that could um, dramatically affect future plans. Yeah, I'll um, step in here in my last couple minutes and, and, and give you a couple of thoughts on that. One is, I think one of the biggest commitments to address the enrollment cliff, and, and this is all credit to President Witten and the thing that she says all the time, which is students will be the center of the universe of everything that we do at Indiana University. Part of that message means that we will focus in on our students' experiences in ways that help them to thrive, which means we're looking at things that drive those all important outcomes of retention, persistence, completion, and graduation. So everything from looking at the basic needs that students have access to and how they learn to manage them. We have one of the most preeminent financial wellness and education programs in the nation um, right here at Indiana University. And so we get to help students figure that out, but also make sure that there aren't these barriers in the way for students to take full advantage of their education. You know, this is a holistic approach to student success and it means everybody is bought in on every Indiana University campus. You see it's the leading pillar of our strategic plan that student success and opportunity is first. And we are committed to making sure that the students who come to Indiana stay, they are successful while they're here. And as I said earlier, they are well prepared and have a plan for what their long-term career or careers looks like for them. 
Thank you, Julia. I appreciate it. I know you have to go. I want to ask Michael, um, I guess, to weigh in on this one, and that is what's going what's gonna to happen with the faculty? And maybe this might be better for Julie, I guess. What's going to happen with the faculty? Well, I know there's going to be growth in faculty in Indianapolis. Are there going to be there going to be opportunities for faculty to collaborate between the two campuses, Bloomington, Indianapolis, more between um, Indianapolis, IU in Indianapolis, and Purdue in Indianapolis, more? How's this changed the the world of the faculty? No doubt, it's a, it's a it's a transition. It's it's you know um, going to require some work, and that's why again appreciate. Um, uh, I'll, I'll ask Julie to weigh in in, in, a, in a second, given all of her um, work on the the um, strategic plan. Existing faculty right now, you've got clarity in terms of what your future is going to be by virtue of um, how the schools of IUPUI are going to sort out. Um, so um, uh, most of the engineering disciplines are going to be Purdue. Um, IU Indianapolis will have the newly formed School of Science. And then it, within STEM, its focus will be on a lot of the disciplines that are strengths of LUTI, you know, computing and AI and things like that. So if you're an existing faculty member, you have clarity on which institution you'll be teaching. Um, I should mention, too, about 85 percent of the students, IU PUI students, will become students of IU Indianapolis. And, and so um, IU Indianapolis will continue to um, uh, manage the all of the existing buildings. But I, I think the, the, the key is going to be the growth plans now of IU and Purdue and, and um, you know, how do they move forward and what's the focus going to be based on disciplines. Julie, I, I know I left out a lot if you have additional uh, commentary. You know, I think there will be a lot of new opportunities for faculty for research and collaboration. Really, one of the things that the president is committed to is growing and sustaining an innovative culture uh, of problem solving and to really make uh, more uh, entrepreneurship and seamless collaboration possible for faculty in a way that, that we just haven't um, had as, as clear a mission to do so in the past. We know that there's going to be an investment. Michael mentioned the, the General Assembly's um, $60 million to ex, uh, expand research and laboratory space. That's really huge uh, for faculty to have more space to research in, but also $10 million to grow our STEM faculty by 30 so that we can attract really and retain vital research talent. Um, and that's true for, you know, faculty that want to collaborate across Bloomington and Indianapolis and, and others. Um, and I just think really the opportunity to work with the medical school and health and life sciences combined with our already existing expertise in AI and cybersecurity um, really provides opportunity for faculty that we're excited about. I mean, change is always hard. It's not that um, there hasn't been sort of some faculty that, that are curious about what's coming and how it will impact them, um, but we're really trying to be transparent to make sure that students, faculty, staff all understand that this is about, again, growing and creating something even greater than, than what we already have, which has been a great thing. There are there are a couple of your your question did prompt though a couple of um, opportunities where there are individual schools and programs which will see pretty rapid growth. These are things that we've we've um, announced. Uh, there's a recent twelve million dollar grant from the Department of Defense um, to help fund faculty in what will be the Indianapolis School of Science regarding traumatic brain injury. Um, and again, that um, researchers at IU, including IU Indianapolis, that's a real strength for IU. We announced that investments at the IU School of Nursing will double the instructional capacity at the School of Nursing. That's to meet the demand across the state and elsewhere. And then um, a new direct path to enrollment to med school. It's basically, they call them direct admit med school program partnership with IU School of Science and School of Medicine. So there are a few schools that will see an initial bump based on these efforts to, and, and the common thread across a lot of them is meeting the demand in STEM across the state or addressing specific needs that are strengths of IU. You've 
pretty much addressed this, I think, in some ways, but I want to kind of summarize. We've got about eight minutes to go. Um, so when we look at this new model, it starts next fall, 2024, officially starts. We look in 2034. How are we going to know where are we going to see the success 10 years out? What, how are we going to know that this was a great thing to do as, as you all um, have certainly convinced me of today? <laughs> Julie, I have a I have a speed round style answer, but I'll, okay. <laughs> I'll put it here. so do we do we do we make a dent in the critical STEM um, uh, workforce shortages is number one, and we're going to hold based on the the university strategic plan, we're going to do a better job measuring and reporting those numbers and where we place our graduates and where we address the. Um, the worker shortages, especially in STEM disciplines, so did we make a dent in the STEM numbers. Does IU Indianapolis have a greater um, brand recognition and presence in Indianapolis and outside Indianapolis? I hope I'm not offending anybody, but IUPUI has had its challenges as a name when you get outside the state of Indiana. Okay, it's just not it's just not as well known as as we would like it to be. And then third, the physical campus. You know, like Julie said, there's been a lot of change in the last 20 years. Um, the physical campus will look a lot different in 10 years and because we believe that there's significant demand to attract more students. Um, we know our friends at Purdue um, uh, believe that as well. So I think you'll see a, a significant change on the physical campus in that part of downtown Indianapolis. Julie? Yeah, I love this question, Bob, because um, it just creates a visual for me that starts with that physical campus that, that Michael was just talking about. Uh, you know, I, I think that it will be a buzz with activity. I think that we will see connectivity across West Street to across over to 16 Tech with Madam Walker Theater uh, and beyond in a way that will just make all of us standing here today go, wow, this happened. But to get back to a question, I think Sarah asked it earlier about the enrollment cliff. I, I think what I would also like to see to add to, to Michael's sort of numbers that he'd like to um, see is there is a demographic enrollment cliff, but more concerning to me as a citizen of this state is the fact that we do, we have, um, do not have the same numbers going to college from high school that we had in past years. That number is falling. So it's not about um, are there enough people to attend college, it's that the people who are completing our high schools are not moving through and getting the desperate, uh, desperately needed skills to, to thrive at, as individuals for their families in this state. So for me, are we reversing that number? Are we back up to 50 plus percent and then maybe beyond to 60 or 70 of people who get some get into college out of high school and get the skills they need in these STEM areas, but also in the arts, um, in, in uh, you know, education, in um, all the areas that we need to have a thriving community. One, one, one more thing that, that Julie's um, comment just sparked, Bob and Sarah. Um, I hear from friends and colleagues in the faculty regularly, this is a lot of emphasis on STEM. Does this mean IU is pulling back on its commitment to arts and humanities and things like that? And I, you know, we would say no. And I would say one way to think about IU's unique strengths is certainly there's huge demand for STEM skills. There's a, there's a shortage within our own state. I don't want to speak for Julie, but I believe one of the things that IU can offer to students that no one else can offer is that interplay of the left brain and the right brain, right? So to the extent that we are preparing students for um, STEM careers, we also make sure that as part of their IU degree, they get exposure and immersion into IU's significant arts and humanities strengths. It, you, you've seen the uptick um, in the tech workforce and that um, liberal arts majors have become uh, more attractive to tech companies in the last decade. There's something there. And so that, so um, President Witten, we know, 
feels strongly that there's a way to address the STEM workforce, but to redouble the emphasis on the breadth of IU's um, academic programs, especially arts, humanities, music, you name it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is always a, an issue. You know, when you talk about a, a major research institution like, you know, Indiana University, it's it's not always just getting a job or just filling a, you know, filling a chair somewhere. It's about, you know, growing that whole individual. Um, I, I want to, Michael, I'm, I'm sure you can, you can touch on this. We only have about two minutes to go, but I, I know we've talked about, you know, Two of the pillars uh, uh, that President Witten talks about a lot about, you know, faculty and research and about the student-centered uh, focus of Indiana University. The third one, if I'm recalling um, correctly, is that service to the state. It seems like that a lot of what this plan has to offer really addresses that third pillar, that service to the state pillar and service to the, the uh, businesses of the state and state government and citizens of the state. Am I wrong, right about that? That's right. I mean, and IU's I got a great history of being rooted in the core industries of the state, especially there are great stories with individual schools. This, her, hers, the third pillar is a challenge for the institution to take the next step be more embedded in our growth industries, more embedded in the institutions that you know uh, drive the direction of the state. And so, yeah, I, my, our, my hope is that what everybody's gonna see in the next five to 10 years is an IU that's even more engaged playing offense, for lack of a better word, um, you know, out in, uh, in communities and around the state. All right, we are out of time. I want to thank you uh, very much for being there with us today. Julie Payne Kirchmeyer was with us. She was the vice president, is the vice president for student success. She had to leave a bit early. Julie Magan, thank you for joining us. Vice Dean of the Kelly School of Business in Indianapolis and Michael Huber, the vice president for university relations for Indiana University. Thank you for joining us to talk about the split of IUPUI into a Purdue element and an Indiana University element. For co-host Sarah Whitmire, for engineer Mike Pashkash, and for producer Nathan Moore, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. <laughs>